Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. As we continue basking in the glory of the Magic finally bucking their bad lottery luck and earning that number one pick in the upcoming June 23rd NBA draft, we're switching focus to what the Weltham front office should actually do now that we have all this power. You know, the media actually has to talk about the Magic for the next month. And a lot of those outlets are struggling, but still, it's nice to actually hear them try to talk about the Magic for a change. We're three for three historically on number one draft picks. Shaq in 92, we took Chris Webber in 93, but wisely flipped him for Penny and three future first round picks. And then Dwight in 2004. They have to get this right. Weltman have to get this right. If they show the ambition, then it's very possible that the Magic won't be in the draft lottery again for years. Hopefully this is the end of tanking because this was the season where it finally paid off in our decade-long attempt to get that number one pick. Let's go. Hardaway, straight down the lane, the power jam. Point guard on the 7 6 guy. Here's Lewis turning and he shoots. Yes! Here's Turkaloo for the win. Recording this on Thursday, June 16th. We are just one week away from the Thursday, June 23rd draft. So we're a week away. Uh, we're going to talk about, because we, have, we haven't had it done a pod since before the draft lottery. So we're going to quickly go over that Tuesday, May 17th draft lottery in Chicago. But, you know, Jeff Weltman was supposed to be uh, on the dais for that, for that show Last second, he backed out, and because Jamal Mosley was also in Chicago because the draft combine was going on, he decided he felt lucky he was going to head on up there. And uh, obviously, Joel Glass actually is the one who deserves all the credit because he was in the back room for this uh, for for the for the actual drawing. He had the past three number one ping pong balls with them in the room. Which now that I think about it, Penny, now that we've won, you can't technically do that again. Cause if you want to bring get the ping pong balls, you have to get four of them because that's the number combination. <laughs> you can't just do one anymore like you could in 2004 right. and then the 90s. So that's just more, that's just more pocket, pocket <laughs> real estate. I don't yeah, know. Do you think I, in, a, in a normal, sorry, well, uh, but did you think, do you think in a normal like jacket pocket, you could fit six pink or seven ping pong balls? I, yeah, I don't know if you could get, maybe they'll take one from each of the wins and then you're still at four. I feel like there's enough pocket room for four, right? Yeah, maybe do like the last number combination because I think it was the Pistons that was like one number off or whatever from yeah. from being the ones that got number one. But, um, you know, this is the fourth time in Magic history that we're going to end up with the first pick. This is the first time the Magic have moved up in a draft lottery since 1993. So we we broke the we broke the curse. We we got through it finally. There you and go. And it's perfect because the Magic, as we've seen, literally can work out anybody they want. They can ideally get all the medical data on any draft draft pot prospect they want. Uh, that hasn't quite worked out uh, if you believe the Chet Holmgren rumors necessarily, but ideally that's how that works out. And look, 
the magic have the opportunity to stay put at one or as we're you're seeing with rumors, they could trade down and still get the guy that they want. But Penny, what do you, what do you remember from the draft lottery? I'm assuming you watched the draft lottery when it was happening. I did watch when it was happening. Um, the, the best thing is when you're watching with someone that doesn't know exactly what they're watching or what's going on. So you're, <laughs> and they, I don't think this year, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they had the uh, reverse order on the screen the whole time. So you're, you're trying to make sure that it's uh, slate, right? That it's yeah. going to form. Um, so you're trying to explain to somebody like, okay, we, you know, we want 10 to show up at 10 and then you're saying not the magic, not the magic, not the magic every time. Um, and my goal, uh, yeah, and, was and just to make it to the and, commercial break. And obviously, you know, the worst the magic could have been was sixth, obviously, right, but, right. um, you know, we were hoping, you're hoping that like nobody moved up and then. I think Sacramento was supposed to come up at seven and they were the only team that moved up, which it could have been a lot worse. It really could have been because once Sacramento jumped up, I'm like, I think I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm like, well, shoot. OKC is still there. Houston's still there. But, I, you know, I tweeted it out before. I agree with you. Like once we got to the commercial break, you know, with this new lotto format, like the commercial break stops before the fourth pick. It used to be it stopped before the third pick. But with this current lotto format, uh, which is the first time we've participated in this, or sorry, last year was the first time we participated in the current lotto format. But, you know, when we went instead of, you know, third, uh, we fell down to fifth, but, um, you know, I was just happy that they got through the commercial break and there's four, four spots left and the magic hadn't come up yet. I was, I, I'm not going to lie, you know, even though the magic had the second best position, like I, even if we would end up with fourth, I actually probably would have been happy. Um, yeah, just, just for the sake of odds, of course. And I, I'll be honest with you as we, you know, four comes off the board three. Um, I, once we were not third, I figured we would win. Um, and obviously you, you want to be in the power in the pole position, right? The draft comes through the night starts with Orlando and everybody oh, yeah. has to come through the magic, which is great. Um, but eh, almost one of those years where you, you know, you could have been, you, you were okay at two or even three. You're not wrong the way this is playing out, but I mean, look, I, 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 I you want first, you really do. Cause if you want to trade down, you can trade down. And yeah. even though like the media coverage hasn't ramped up enormously, like it's ramped up, but I mean, the NBA finals are going on like game six is Boston is going to happen tonight as we're again, we're recording Thursday night, June 16th. Um, once the finals are done, be it tonight or Sunday, like once that's done, the rest of the, you know, these next few days, it's going to be all about the magic at the top of the draft for the most part, because, you know, nobody knows what the magic are going to do. They've been tied to, you know, Jabari Smith Jr., Chet Holmgren, uh, Paolo Bencaro. They've been rumored to possibly even want to trade down and whatever, like basically what we expect is happening because the magic front office does a pretty good job of not letting leaks happen. And I mean, they're probably throwing smoke screens and leak chaos galore to, to help them with any trade package ideas. So it's working out uh, for this draft lottery. I show, I, I stayed at home. I watched it from home. I put Argos, my, uh, my golden doodle in, in, in my penny Jersey that I have, uh, which is a champion authentic Jersey from back in the day. Um, yeah. I threw them in one of those. And, uh, cause last year I, I, I stopped by 
Buffalo, uh, Harry Buffalo for uh six man shows draft party. I didn't go this time. I'm glad all those people that went had a blast, but I had to mix it up and it worked out. So I'm not going to complain with that, but you know, the magic are going to host the, the draft party again uh, at Amway center, June 23rd, obviously uh, the night of the draft. And you can get free tickets still to go to Amway center. If you so please uh, on the uh, Orlando magic app, I don't, Penny, I don't know. You know, we, we're going to talk this over probably up till the day of or the night of uh, if we're going to go or not. But we've, you know, we did it last year. Uh, it's it's a fun time, and there's definitely going to be more people this time. And I mean, last year was a good showing, but this yeah. year it's going to be more people. And you know, hopefully, I'll win trivia and another Magic jersey. That'd be sweet too. I I think they're also doing a uh, like fifty thousand dollar half court shot. So there's a little bit more going on. I have two cappers for you with regard wait to are they really doing are they really doing that I, yeah so uh maybe maybe i don't know are you gonna be your are you technically are we media no still technically no. i we have no we're we've we've exceeded yeah. the I'll, statute I'll call of it, limitations yeah. we'll say it's yeah. a three-year statute limitation okay. i think i'm on like my fifth year that i haven't officially so, covered the magic so we're good yeah we're so f- six man show guys can't shoot but we can um so we'll probably we should probably go just to try and bank in a half court shot right plus even if i wanted to be media again i don't think they'd let me back in anyway <laughs> like yeah. joel god bless the the stat the media staff like trish george joel like they i i got away with some stuff with some bad mistakes and they they easily could have told me to fuck off and kick me out and they didn't they were you know it helps when you don't have a bunch of media coverage to begin with so you're relying on bloggers and I mean, now, I mean, media situations in a worse state than, than ever. Like, um, I mean, you know, the Orlando said no, like, I know they got Kobe price, but it's, you know, it's not Josh Robbins. And, um, you know, it's kind of sad that for the Jabari Smith magic worker, uh, workout, wasn't it Tim Conley from down in Miami that like came up to and asked most of the questions. I, I don't know, but, um, we have a coverage problem in Orlando, like the athletic still like, eight months later or whatever has not hired a full-time magic beat reporter beat writer and you think that'd be a good idea to do that when the magic have that you know we the magic have had the number one pick for a month now basically um so yeah that's speaking of coverage so i was just gonna say the one of the benefits of landing the number one pick is that I would have to assume that we will get one nationally televised non-nba tv game this upcoming season, right? Has to, ha- has to. Kate Cunningham got one, right? Yep. So, and yeah. and now also we, you know, we talked about the action for the draft lottery happens behind the scenes and prior to the televised show. So, who is on the dais has absolutely no bearing in what happens in terms of luck. But no. we can both agree that the Magic would not have won the lottery if Weltman had stayed on stage, right? Yeah, I, I think so because <laughs> Jeff Jeff Weltman didn't didn't have the luck last year, and also his his. It's very brief. Like he's got a pretty good poker face, but the 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 facial expression of just disappointment and like a dagger being stuck in you. Like he had that briefly, and you know Jamal Mosley had the right vibes going. He was just smiling, and the the production value of the show it went quick. Like they they got like they they took too long to get the drawing going, and then they were just like hurrying as fast as they could that that final ten minutes of the half hour to get it all in, and so like. You know, Mark Tatum was freaking motoring through those cards. And so 
you know, and, and that kind of worked out because you really didn't have time to to soak it in too long. Like the the worst part of it was the was the break was the commercial break, honestly, because yeah. even going from four to one, like it was fast. And, you know, you thought, you know, you thought after what was it, three or four that the magic were going to get number one. At no point did I think we were going to end up with one. I was thinking like, oh, we'll probably stay at two and like OKC or Houston will get one or something and whatever. So. Any final lottery show thoughts or, or, or lottery stuff or any draft? Uh, did you have any other nuggets for the uh, the the magic draft party? I I, I don't know if there's any uh, public uh, knowledge accessibility that we can share. So I, I think that if you care to see us, we'll probably be there. Um, and at least the night will start early and won't go too late. That's the benefit of having number one. Yeah. Um, and then you can motor home and catch the top half of the second round, uh, from your couch easily. Yeah. And I think, cause they started the draft later, right? Cause it's like eight, wasn't it like seven 30 in past years? I, I, I don't think know. So, yeah. yeah. It's a late start. So, um, all right, Penny, we're going to get, we're going to get through this, uh, through kind of what the magic should do, but I'm going to just ask you straight up, Penny, what are you doing with this number one draft pick that we have? Are you keeping it? Who, if you are, if we are, who who are you selecting? Are we trading it? Are we trading down? What do you want to do with it? Uh, My dream scenario is that you identify the player that you want to keep from the top three. Um, You identify the team who has fallen in love with one of the other two of those guys um, and then you trade down from one to two or one to three um, and you nab that player and another asset I think um, I think it's doable based on who has risen to the top in terms of you know the projected top three um, I think it's also doable in terms of uh, those organizations being, trade partners and trade candidates. So for me, I think that's the best possible outcome. And that's what I would strive to do. That's very logical. And I mean, I'm, I'm basically there with you. Um, Have you, and we'll get to it, but just, just, have you, have you fallen in love with anyone head and shoulders above the rest yet? I'm basically at any, any of the top like six uh, or any of the top five other than Chet Holmgren. That's where I'm at basically. Like, no, because I, I think, I think, I think we'll stay put at one. I'm more than happy staying put at one. Cause you, you know, it just makes things simple and it's just, it, it's a, it's better for marketing. It's better for selling tickets. If you just hold on to the number one pick and you just get your guy, if, if, unless they want to go down, from those top three guys, you know, Paolo Jabari or Chet and go down to, and get a guy like Ivy or sharp or even Keegan Murray. Like you're probably better off just staying at one. Uh, But I mean, the two guys I'm looking at are, and it's, it's so close. Like if you told me today who to pick, I'd take Jabari Smith jr. I have a very, very, very close second Paolo Bencaro. Those, Those are my two guys. Those that, but I got, I'm going to go and we're going to go over it here so quickly or we're not over here in a moment here, but that's where I'm at with Jabari Smith jr. But I mean, out of those guys, who do you like before we really break it down? Yeah. I mean, gun to my head right now, I would go Jabari Smith jr. Um, and I don't think that's being swayed necessarily by what's being written um, and projected most recently. I think that's still just taking everything, um, 
kind of all the knowledge available to us and and um, doing our best prognostication of uh, what you know 19 and 20 year olds are going to turn into five six years down the road that's very difficult obviously yeah because i mean when i look at the magic and i look at the league and like what do we need the most it's two obvious things we need three-point shooting because the magic have been a bad three-point shooting team for a decade and then a go-to kind of alpha dog scorer, like you need an alpha scorer. And then I look at the NBA finals with this Boston uh, Golden State series. Sad my guy Giannis Antetokounmpo isn't in there, but uh, you know, if Chris Middleton was healthy, they, they'd probably be hoisting back-to-back championships. But anyway, when I look at the Celtics Warriors series and even last year, Bucks, you know, Suns, you need to have tall players who can switch onto three, four positions who can play both sides of the floor. That's kind of what the league's, changed into like you need these six eight to six you know six ten guys that can really you know guard almost every position if they get switched you know if they get switched that that's basically where we're at so you know and that that kind of is a big is a big factor in why probably you and i are picking jabari but all right let's talk about these six guys because there's going to be a bunch more info that comes in after this pod drops you know, over, over the, the, this final week before the draft. But we're going to start with Chet Holmgren because, you know, Chet was the guy that was hyped to be the number one pick, you know, for most, most of the college season. Uh, you know, with Chet, everybody calls him a unicorn. I think unicorns are overrated. Um, there's a reason why unicorns don't exist today. <laughs> but, uh, you know, already 20, you know, he's already 20 years old. His, his body just scares me. Like he's got these very, very narrow shoulders and a skinny frame that just scares me. He's in Orlando this week. I don't, I haven't seen any news on if or when he's going to work out. I, my assumption is going to be he, he officially works out tomorrow, Friday, but um, you know, don't, you know, don't hold me to that. It's, it's been, they've been keeping some of this stuff secretive and some of it not, but rumor has it that Chet has done a complete physical, or, you know, ha, or hasn't done a, complete physical or provided full medical info yet, which, you know, Penny, would, would you agree that's, that's a red flag? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Cause so there's your, your, why, if there's nothing alarming, you obviously share that with the team that has the first pick. Yeah. And uh, I think I saw it was, I forget who, who the person was or what the outlet was, but you know, there was specifically kind of this rumor thrown about that, like Chet hasn't given like his heart medical information and he hasn't done like a full NBA team physical with anybody yet. And I'm just like in a situation where the top three is supposedly this close that, you know, that's fine. I I'm, I'm not making you a number one pick then give me Jabari or Paolo. That's, that's where I'm at with that. But um, you know, he's, he's listed at seven foot, but it's, quite clearly obvious he's probably like seven foot two and he just hunches a lot like he's got really bad posture issues but he's taller than david robinson who was like seven one in the league and obviously when you know when you get older you start losing a little bit of height but i mean chet was like towering over david robinson so he's i think he's seven two the 3.7 blocks per game that he had at, at gonzaga are inflated in my mind because he played in a bad conference you know, the WCC is not a good conference in my mind and kind of similar to Mo Bombo, the way I view Chet, he's a better help defender than a one-on-one defender. Obviously Chet's more mobile in that, you know, and can actually guard some guys on the perimeter, but uh, you know, he shot 39% from three around 50% 
uh, in the WCC is what he shot from three. So that that's skewed from, again, not being in a good conference because he shot, I think, one of eight in the tourney. So he did not rely much on the three-point shot in the tourney. Like, I, I get it. Like, he can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot it. I just don't see the go-to score off, uh, you know, offensive potential with him the way I see it with Jabari and especially Paolo. Um, you know, his offensive effectiveness, the way I view it, it's very fast break reliant. In a half-court game, his impact just drops off a lot. The weight thing is a big thing. Like he's, he's supposedly 195 pounds. He might be a little less. He might be a little more. I don't know. But I mean, he weighs 30 pounds less than Dwight did coming, you know, coming out of the, you know, coming out of high school, 25 pounds less than a high school, Kevin Garnett, 20 pounds less than Kevin Durant, who couldn't lift the bar at the draft combine. Um, You know, there's people that were trying to compare him being the same weight as a rookie Giannis Adetokounmpo which is just delusional and just complete crap because Yanni was three, four inches shorter than Chet. And he was also just still malnourished. He was still dealing with malnourishment effects from, you know, from starving on the streets, you know, on the streets of Greece and feeding whatever food he was being given uh, to his family to keep them going. So that's a bad comparison. Again, Chet's shoulders are super narrow and, you know, I'm going to stop right there, Penny. What of all that stuff that I mentioned is kind of, alarming or what do you disagree with uh, the stuff i've said well we don't the the disappointing thing is that we don't put on a very entertaining show because oftentimes we tend to line up on the same side of the fence but i had (laughs) just an interesting uh i guess nugget um i think originally it's brian kalbroski who writes for usa today i guess Uh Um, but the only freshman on record, college freshman on record to take at least 53 pointers and attempt 30 dunks on offense while also recording a block percentage above 5% and a defensive rebound percentage above 25% are Chet Holmgren. And can you guess the other two? There's two more college guys? Two more guys that did it when they were in college and are now professionals. Is it recent? Were they freshmen as well? Or so they're both magic players. They're Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba. Oh, you gotta be shitting me. Really? So when you're when you're projecting and look, we're I, there are there are analytics people and there are people that have algorithms that do the projections that are much more uh, advanced and way more intelligent than I am. Um the, the projected block percentage for Chet Holmgren in the NBA is like astronomical, which I have a hard time believing. Um, but even that being said and taken at face value, um, just the, the, the struggles of Mo Bamba taking COVID out of the equation and yeah. even taking out of the equation playing behind, um, you know, an all-star player. Um, he at least had a frame, right? He had the shoulders, he had, there's significant more weight on his frame. Um, but I, I just, it's, I think it's going to be a long road. I obviously the talent evaluators see it. I don't see it. Um, and increasingly every year, like you're looking at a Kristaps Porzingis become increasingly less playable every single year. 
Um, the game seems to be trending in a direction that obviously you need shooting um, and obviously you need rim protection. Mm -hmm. I just don't see Chet Holmgren being that guy at number one that's going to provide um, at that level. Yeah, and like I don't need this guy to be handling the ball either. Like I want Markel Fultz and Franz Wagner to be the ball handlers. So, I mean, there's already the rumor right now that he's he and his people want him to go to OKC at two. Fine, cool, you know. Um, he, man, because the other thing too is, it, would you agree that if we pick Chet over say Jabari or Paolo, that you're almost extending the rebuild where you might, we might actually see this team tank again because it's going to take like three years to maybe build this kid's body up. I, I, yeah, I, I think I would hope that the goal for the organization and for the fans sake is to shoot for the play in this year. They better. Um, and they, I think there's temptation to roll the lottery dice again and add one more, player to you know to the young core or whatever but that's i i think that's tempting fate in a negative way and oh, yeah. also i think um there's only so much that i hate to say it right but there's only so much that fair weather fans can tolerate before they move on to the next thing or become too disinterested to um sustain the you know the financial commitment that he's yeah. looking for so you i think you got to choose somebody that's going to accelerate that um accelerate that process yeah i'm with you man i mean look him all weighing only 195 pounds it's it's going to impact his stamina as well like you he's going to be super fatigued during an 82 game season like he won't he won't be able to play more than like 20 minutes per game because he's going to be gassed so much. And then you look at what like Joel Embiid did breaking Suggs hand. Like if he slaps down on Chet, he might snap his collarbone. Like that's like, well, it, it, that's a great point too. You talk about boxing, the body blows that tire you out over the course of, you know, when you're banging in the paint, it's not just that it's the, it's the lower, the strong lower base that obviously he yeah. doesn't have where you're getting that knee to the back of the thigh that's uprooting you and wearing out your legs even further. So it's not just about navigating cardio wise and, you know, hedging and recovering or whatever the case may be. You're getting significant punishment every single trip from grown, grown men. Absolutely. And I mean, like we saw it with, with Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba, like their first couple of years in the league, like they, they couldn't play a lot of minutes just because they physically just couldn't do it. Um, so, you know, that's a concern. Um, I, I'm not a fan of Chet's attitude. Like he's kind of on the shy side, but like when he, when he snaps back and kind of talks, like he kind of reminds me of Tyler hero. And I just don't want that. Uh, that's, that's just a me thing. I'm the only person that probably will mention that, but uh, everyone likes to mention the AAU high school ties with Jalen Suggs, which, you know, that, that doesn't mean anything to me when it comes to picking Chet or not. Like Jalen Suggs has to worry about becoming a good basketball player first in the NBA because he had a very bad and shortened rookie year. He's, he's dealing with injuries during this off season and a surgery. So, you know, that should have zero influence on this pick because Suggs needs to worry about being, being now Cole Anthony for, for starters minutes or something like, you know, alongside Mark Hill Fultz. Yeah, just, and let's be real too, that in today's uh, youth basketball landscape, all of the top players have played with and played against 
each other yeah for you know i mean that's there's no additional chemistry that's going to move the needle in any significant manner no and i mean we you know you talked about the worry of of tempting fate and trying to tank another season roll of dice well i mean the prizes for next next year are going to be victor Wembanyama and like maybe scoot henderson but you know, last summer, Wembenyama kicked Chet's ass in, in FIBA play. And Chet is two years older than, than Wembenyama. And I, Victor was way, way better than Chet. Like, I, I saw stuff getting you – know, I saw him getting exposed pretty badly for that. Um, Chet gets the moniker of being tough and being just, you know, a bulldog on the court and just gives all-out effort and whatnot. And he's not going to be intimidated, which, again, that means nothing to me if – you're getting your ass beat up and down the court. Like that, that means nothing to me that, you know, that you're that resilient. Like it's good. Like he's probably not going to mentally break, but it's, I'm just not, not for him. So any other thoughts on Chad before I go to the next guy? Yeah. My last thought is that if we pick him, um, it'll probably turn out great. Right. I mean, look, you know, we, I'll continue to apologize to, for Franz Wagner, but, um, yeah. This is a different situation. Franz's strength was never an issue or, you know, it was, and I'll talk about actually with Paolo in a bit. So I'll leave it at that, but um, different situation here in, in my eyes, but also I didn't trust Franz Wagner being a Juwan Howard system. And I should have paid more attention to Franz's international highlights than his Michigan highlights. So that's definitely on me, but uh, all right. Let's talk to Barry Smith jr. This is our guy, but he just turned 19 last month. He's still the betting favorite to go number one for whatever that's worth. Um, had his first NBA workout ever with the Magic on June 9th. Uh, he said he was only going to have one more workout scheduled with OKC. That appears to be holding true. It's been us and OKC. Uh, you know, Thunder obviously have the second pick. It doesn't look like he, you know, Jabari's working out with Houston for the third spot. Um, in my eyes, I mean, he's the only one that's talked to the media, uh, the Orlando local media which is interesting. You know, we'll see if that happens with Chet. We'll see if even Paolo comes down here, but as far as the media test goes, I think he passed. He said just a lot of great things and he was very honest. And, you know, he, he I, one of my favorite parts of his, his interview uh, or session was how he likes to take pieces from other NBA guys around the league and other prospects do this, but the guys he picked, I actually like, he was talking about how he likes to pick, uh, you know, Giannis Adetokounmpo's defense. He likes to pick up some offensive stuff from Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant. And I think those all kind of work for Jabari, like from, from a game perspective, from even a body perspective. Um, you know, I think that was great. Half the magic roster is still in Orlando. And so they, they were in the, in the Amway center practice facility, uh, practice gym to watch him work out. And, you know, people were saying the workout went longer than anticipated. It was supposed to be like an hour, some say it went to whether it did or not, or they were just, they had a late start who knows, but um, I have no opinion on the, on the length of the, of the workout. It could literally be bad. It could be literally good. It could mean any, you know, nothing, but Jabari Smith jr. Has the reputation as the hardest worker at the top of this draft class. Like every draft scout, every draft, like analysis reviewer type person seems to agree that Jabari just works his ass off. Um, I think I heard Chris Vernon on the mismatch say he talked to a guy that was in a workout, a two hour workout that he did. Maybe it was the magic one. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know where he did not stop. 
for a second. He just kept going, um, which is freaking amazing. And that's kind of up the alley of what Weldham and Mosley and the coaching staff probably would like. Uh, Jabari Smith is known as an elite shooter. Hopefully it's not like a one year of college aberration type of thing, but I mean, he can get a shot up with one dribble or zero dribbles kind of like Kevin Durant and Carmelo Anthony did uh, or have done be it in college or, you know, in their primes, but uh, Jabari, he's got some post-up moves. Like he, he can shoot, turn around jumpers over guys. Like he handles himself in the post pretty good, especially if you put like a smaller, you know, like a guard on him or somebody, just anyone that's smaller than him. Like he's not afraid to post them up. Unlike guys like Mobamba who can't, you know, post up Peyton Pritchard, like Jabari Smith will back you up. And at worst, he'll be able to get a jumper over you like, you know, Rashard Lewis or Dirk Nowitzki would like it's he, he's got that in his bag. Um, people are saying that Jabari Smith Jr. reminds them of Rashard Lewis or Chris Middleton, but they're kind of doing it in a negative manner, which it's a little perplexing because, you know, people think of those players in their primes and they're like when they were like in their late 20s or early 30s, even in Rashard's case. But I mean, Middleton last year was the go to closer on championship team. And again, that Bucks team probably would be going for back-to-back championships if he was healthy. Like they, they wouldn't have lost to Boston if Middleton was playing in that series. But, um, you know, and then Richard, we know was just a stone cold killer. And we, we knew everything about him where, you know, he came from Seattle where he was playing mostly small forward. And then he, he was the revolutionary small ball power forward in Stan Van Gundy system. And, you know, he paid for it down the road because it was much more physical play even a decade ago. But, um, you know, Richard is it's not the worst comparison in the world to be compared to Richard Lewis. Like um, that's that's pretty great. And again, Jabari's 19 years old now. So just imagine how much better he's going to get if that's his floor. Uh, Penny, got any thoughts so far? Uh, I'm going to stop there for right now. But any feedback, any thoughts on Jabari Smith Jr.? Um, I, I think the biggest thing is that you're talking about the primary skill being elite shooting. Um, and, and obviously assuming that that translates to the NBA three point line, don't see any reason with the mechanics or anything to assume otherwise. So um, if the shooting is there and the athleticism is such that he can build off of the threat of being a good shooter, then you're you're moving in the right direction towards being a consistent score in the NBA, you know, 20 plus points a game. So you're talking about a significant need for the magic, which yeah. is somebody that can put the ball in the basket. Um, and then on the other end of the floor, you know, obviously 610 with length, you have uh, multi-position versatility defensively. So I think in terms of the body, um, of, of all of the top prospects, I think NBA body wise, you're probably pegging Jabari Smith jr. is number one. And then also, um, there's no, uh, denying the, um, what, what is it? Paternity, right? Like, Ooh, the, yeah. uh, um, that NBA player sons, typically tend to be obviously better than the fathers, but there's all of that. Well, especially um, if the fathers weren't stars, we right, have to throw that go. caveat well, in. That's very true. But the heredity, uh, heredity, um, and the, um, you know, 
gained knowledge of what it takes to be a pro and the resources to throw at chasing that dream. Um, just, I, I think even if you're looking most recently at like a Jaron Jackson Jr., yeah. um, if, you know, adding someone like that to the mix, I just think um, in my eyes, it's the surest bet. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's tempting for me to think that, we could have the 2022 version of Richard and Hito and Jabari and Franz with Franz yeah. being in potentially smarter and better version of Hito. Even like that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of awesome. Um, you know, especially when with Wendell Carter jr. Elevating his play and really kind of owning, owning that center position. Like that's, that's pretty great, but you know, yeah. Jabari can literally get a shot up over anyone when you come when you see his when you combine his height his jumping and his shot release like he can get a shot over just about anybody and does his dribbling need to improve sure but in my eyes that's not that hard to do with nba coaching like dribbling is one of the easiest skills and a professional nba athlete can improve on in, in this league in my mind and i think he can create people haven't really you know people have underrated both his dribbling and his creating skills I remember watching the UCF Auburn game where he showed, you know, a good portion of that potential off in that game where he's, he's literally taking up the court and driving it and either dishing and shooting over guys. Like, yeah, he may, he'll make mistakes, but he's 19 years old. Like he, he's going to be fine with that, that, that's the dribbling thing. People, people really need to lay off that. Like I, we're talking about a guy that, that either doesn't need to dribble or can you know, only needs to dribble once to get a shot off and make it over anybody. And that's going to carry over in the NBA. I think, um, you know, when you play, you know, he played in the sec, like he played in a, a respectable conference. Like it says, you know, that I, I don't see a reason why his shooting ability won't carry over in the league. Um, it also didn't help that with Auburn, everybody criticized the guards that he was playing with um, that just wouldn't give him the ball more. I think his, he had like one thirty point game is like a 31 point win or 31 point game over Vanderbilt um which I'm sure Jeff Turner will have a fun talk with him about that I don't know but um so I mean he probably would have had like a 40 point game if if his guards would actually give him the ball more but uh you know the only real concern was that three to 16 shooting game he had in that in that turn he lost to Miami but I mean, that's really literally it. Like he can play like four positions as a six ten guy. Like he can guard shooting guards with his crouching defense and foot speed and his body's physically ready for the NBA. And I, this, this is my guy or, you know, if they go with Paolo, who we'll talk about next, that's fine too. But I, I think right now Jabari is my guy. Any final thoughts on Jabari? Uh, my guy too. Um, just hoping again, let's, let's get a guy and a thing with him, right? <laughs> let's, let's get a guy and, uh, another future asset from Oklahoma city so they can get their guy. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that. And, you know, after these, these, yeah. uh, these guys, but, um, I, I think it, I don't see why it's not on, you know, why it's not possible. All right. Paolo Bencaro. So he turns 20 years old in the fall. He was listed at 250 pounds at Duke. He looks slimmer than 250 in in these workout photos that we've that I've seen of him. He's a patented go-to scorer. There's there's some Jason Tatum, Carmelo Anthony offensive weapon stuff with him as well. But um, I just think of him as, and I think he's you know a better passer. Will be a better passer than Tatum and Carmelo, and may and probably a better defender, maybe one-on-one defender. Um, 
Paolo carried Duke. Like they looked awful when Paolo didn't have the ball. Shot 34% from three on the season. He was he was way better than that, even on catch and shoot situations. He likes corner threes. I'm not concerned about uh, you know, some of some of the stuff that's been brought up by others, like the sweating issue got figured out where I think he sweats like seven pounds of you know, a sweat per game i'm sure him and patrick ewing could have a fun chat i don't know Man, but we've all been there you have you as a, you yourself you know you you're you're an expert on sweating i'll i'll, I'll give Just, you that i figure out the electrolytes you'll be fine which i think duke did so duke yeah. definitely did and if duke figured it out they'll either pass it on to the magic or the magic are smart enough to figure it out um but uh you know there was concerns about defensive effort or motor I, it's fine like when when the spotlight is on like Paolo, I don't have any issues with any of that. Uh, his stamina could be better. And hey, if, I mean, he, he, I think he's like 240 now. I don't think he's even 250. Like I, he looks noticeably trimmer. Um, but I mean, and then the stamina thing could have been tied to the sweating problem. You know, I, I don't know. We'll see with that. But he'll be fine in an NBA program. You know, in a tiebreaker situation between him and Jabari. For who I would draft, I, you know, I'd lean towards Jabari, just kind of like the stuff I said, where that that could be potential problems, but um, kind of like with Franz, there are lateral lateral quickness concerns I may have. So, which means he'll be fine, right? Like, it's I'm not, you know, right. there there is something there where you know, can those drives and spin moves that he does translate to the league? I, you know, we'll see. It it helps when. He might have, you know, he, if he's down to 235 or 240 pounds, that's going to help. Um, you know, physically, strength wise, you know, he, he seems to be ready for the NBA. Uh, scouts, draft experts have said that he's a better defender than advertised and that college analysts hate Coach K's defensive schemes. So, you know, they, they point out how Paolo does well defending one on one. Um, obviously, he's going to be dealing with bigger, quicker guys in the NBA. So we'll see. Uh, but, you know, he isn't as versatile defensively as Jabari in that end. That's that's for certain. Uh, but Paolo did kick Chet's ass in their one Duke and Gonzaga November game. And that was the game Paolo missed time during it due to, you know, cramping issues. Um, uh, the only other thing I got to mention before I'll hand it off to you, Penny, is that Mike Miller is his agent. Former Magic Man Mike Miller, who is also the agent of RJ Hampton, uh, is the agent of Mike Miller. There was footage from after the magic won the draft lottery where Mike Miller told Jamal Mosley in Chicago that after the lottery, that he had the right guy for him at number one, which he mentioned it to be as Paolo. Um, we have not, we don't know of Paolo coming in for a workout yet. We don't know if there's going to be a workout scheduled. Obviously we're a week away from the draft. So, you know, it could be one of those maybe where it's done secretly, or maybe Paolo's just happy working out with OKC and, and Houston. Who knows? Um, what are your thoughts on Paolo? But for me, he's clearly the, the second best guy in this in this draft for us to take. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to say I agree with you there. I think he's number two on my board as well. Um, but I my concerns in terms of fit and performance would be um, – defensively, despite uh, people maybe knocking Coach K, um, not certain as to how that will translate. Um, and then his biggest asset, I mean, obviously a, a quality scorer, but I think the playmaking is probably the best playmaker at the top of the draft. Um, but that being said, 
do you take the ball out of Markel's hands um, to let Paolo be the orchestrator of the offense? I'm not sure. Obviously, let's let's say fit is not necessarily a concern, right? You're taking best player available. You're identifying best player. You're taking best player available. You're stacking talent. Um, but all that being said, I, to me, I think some of the deficiencies in his game um, are places where the team is maybe already weak or can't afford to add more of the same type of guy. Yeah. Um, so even though he's number two on my board, I have concerns about, um, you know, how the game will translate. And this could be recency bias or um, taking the easy way out based on the college jersey. Um, but <laughs> I have a little Jabari Parker-ish um, kind of flashes about what his potential future could be in the NBA. That's interesting. So you think it's he could be more Jabari Parker than Jason Tatum. That's interesting. Um, I'm not there, uh, but I mean – that, that that's the good thing when when you when you have a couple guys that are this good like if if when you get this close and you have these types of concerns you know you end up going with with, with the best one with these you know in comparison to any any slight kind of nixes at their value at the value of the other guy so i, I kind of said i kind of said like in a tiebreaker situation like if you got more worries about paolo then you just take jabari and vice versa so um yeah, that's a good point, man. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not that concerned, but let's talk about these, these last three guys that I got here. Um, neither of which are close to being rumored to be a, a, a top, you know, a top pick or top two pick. Uh, well, maybe Jay Nivey is we'll talk about him first, but Jay Nivey's 20 years old. Uh, he's got a February birthday like Chet. So, you know, they'll both be turning 21 around the all-star break, I guess. Ivy six foot four, also 195 pounds like Chet Holmgren, who is like 10 inches taller than him. But uh, Ivy was a sophomore at Purdue. People say he's a film junkie uh, because of his mom, who played basketball her all her life, who was also an assistant uh, coach at John Morant's Memphis Grizzlies. And she only left Memphis to take the head coaching job at Notre Dame. Uh, so... You know, he's he's learned a lot from his mom, uh, Ivy, and from his freshman to sophomore year, went from 26 percent three point shooting to 36 three point percent shooting. He didn't look good in the St. Peter's tournament loss game, um, but that, you know, it's really difficult not to see him being another John Morant. Like I like the, I actually I actually see the comparison. I really do. Uh, you know, Morant, he, he has an influence on his both his game and him personally. Um, obviously they kind of have a similar look with their hairstyles as well, but, uh, I think Ivy's just going to look better in a modern NBA spacing situation. Like you can't clog the lane like they do in college. And I personally think that Ivy would be a better shooting guard than a point point guard. So that's where I think he differs from Morant. Uh, I think he'd be better as, as you know, playing alongside Markel floats. And I think he'd be a really good Markel floats partner, but, um, I don't know what are your thoughts on Ivy. I would actually be fine with the magic trading down and actually picking him. If, if that's their, if that's your guy, go get your guy. Uh, well, yeah, that's a good point. And that's probably how we'll 
uh, how we'll end our draft discussion is, you know, again, identify the guy and acquire the guy. Um, I, just anecdotally for Jaden Ivey, um, not counting the tournament game, um, every time that I tuned in to watch, it seemed like he was playing poorly. Um, okay. Obviously, I'm not putting the hours in that, you know, people that are getting paid to scout and, yeah. and to scout for the team are. So that's just uh, bad luck for him on my draft board, which doesn't mean anything. Um, but to me, I think you're if you're identifying Jaden Ivy as the guy, then essentially you're already replacing Jalen Suggs from from, you know, less than 12 months ago. So I, I don't know if it goes that direction. Um, and again, you, I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of, um, you know, NBA spacing will be a, a, a big help to his game um, at the next level with more room to operate. Um, but for me, not not somebody on my radar in terms of actually trading down to, um, you know, to be targeted as the guy. All right. Um, I'm going to go through these last two together and then you can comment on either or both. But Shaden Sharp, he recently turned 19 years old. He has the same birth date as I do. Uh, he's a six, six foot or he's a six foot six Canadian, which I am not. But uh, he supposedly has a 49 inch vert, which would break the draft combine record if he would have actually been in the combine. Uh, he didn't play a second in Kentucky. There's controversy around that, obviously. Uh, but this kid's very smooth and he seems to be an awesome scorer all over the court. He can shoot obviously, but he didn't prove it against actual competition. And, you know, over the last year, I, I, without seeing much and just, you know, people are talking about him working out against a chair. That's fine. Um, I'll, I'm comfortable saying right now, I, I think he'll actually end up being better than Jalen green and Jalen Suggs, but uh you know, and also it came out a day ago that Shaden Sharp did work out for the Magic. So, uh, and he did not get the interview treatment. Neither did Keegan Murray because Keegan Murray uh, act was is the only one of these guys that were talked about that was talked to in Chicago by the Magic and then brought into Orlando for a workout, uh, which is a random kind of thing. Like teams put in who they want to talk to at the combine, and it's kind of random where you you'll either get to talk to him or not because uh, other NBA teams are competing to talk to those guys. But uh, Keegan Murray out of these six guys we talk about is the only guy to the magic talk to in Chicago and then got brought in for a workout, but he's 22 years old, very old sophomore, uh, six foot eight, about seven foot wingspan. Um, he's, he's the reason why I think the magic would try and get a second pick in like the top seven to try and, and select if, you know, the magic traded down and took like a sharper and Ivy. I don't see it happening. Um, I, if Murray was 20 and not 22, there'd actually probably be bigger talk about him being like third uh, in that, in the conversation, like up there yeah. with like Chet and whatnot. But um, talk about these two guys or what, either of these guys. Uh, yeah. I, I, again, I probably don't feel comfortable on, on Shaden Sharp to no one does. give a qualified opinion, right? No one um, does. In terms of Keegan Murray, I think that you're projecting, well, first of all, great three-point shooter. Yes, very um, good shooter. Correct. Yes. And, and uh, flashed the ability to kind of, you know, not just catch and shoot, but, you know, 
uh, pick and pop and that kind of thing, all good, all well and good. Um, but I think again, to me, I flash to uh, like a Tobias Harris type, and then I go yeah. back to okay, we did that before, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, we we put in the we put in the years of development, um, and obviously, you're going to have to develop whoever you select. But um, I don't know if the ceiling is high enough there to warrant um trading down or trading in for another for you know first rounder that high so to me um i think still taking advantage of the fact that we secured the number one pick and choosing from one of the you know uh, earmarked top three players is probably where i'm at fair enough um I guess quick. Okay. So out of these, so with these six guys, um, where would you rank Chet out of these six? Do you rank them third behind Jabari or Paolo, or do you put Chet Holmgren lower than that? I, yeah, I, I plug him in third. And again, you're, you know, we're taking massive dumps on him, but obviously he's been, he's going to make highly, it. Le- he's right. going to make over $15 million. No matter where he's drafted, like he's guaranteed to make that he'll be fine. That's okay. <laughs> I'm never going to make that much in my life. Well, don't say that, but yeah, yeah, he he'll be okay either way. Um, we're taking massive dumps on him, but obviously I just want to state for the record that he, he's a good player. <laughs> he, he's been a good player, obviously. Um, you just have and, doubts about his body. Right. So I, but I would, I'd put him third on my, on my board. I put him six. You can call me a hater. That's fine. People are going to want to, you know, bring this up to me uh, <laughs> you know, forever. That's fine. I, you know, I, I have the order as, Jabari, Paolo, Ivy, Sharp, Murray, and then Holmgren. I actually have six. That's that's where I'm at with that. So, um, all right, let's talk about trades real quick a little bit here. Uh, quick question: Would you trade the number one pick for Donovan Mitchell? No, I'm quick with answer. There, no, yes, quick answer is no. Correct. Um, well, we think it's correct. I don't know who knows, <laughs> but uh, no, I I think uh, yeah that unless it's well, like because it's not just yeah it's not just the number one pick. You're then you're matching salary, and there's no yeah. you know that's a lot for somebody that also uh, Mit- also Mitchell probably wants to be in Miami anyway. Right, so. doesn't want to be here probably anyway. Yeah. Um, would you do so? How far down would you trade? Do you, would you trade all the way down to Houston at three, or would or or, or do you think? to get Jabari or Paolo, like we can't, like it's, we're likely going to have to be two or well, see, cause I think you could go down to three. Cause I think Chet would definitely go one or two. Like I think OKC, it seems to be like OKC wants Chet at two. Um, again, could be a Sam Presti thunder smoke screen, who knows, but um what would it take for you to trade down to two with OKC? What would it take you to trade down to three with Houston? So Thunder, they've got picks two and 12, and then a whole bunch of other picks in the future, both first and second round. Um, you know, what would would just giving them giving up 12 be good enough to to trade down? Because look, I, I think we can all agree there's not there's no way there's gonna end up being a penny Weber you know, Pat Williams gets three first round East picks job. from golden state. Yeah. It's yeah. that's not happening. Like in a situation where you have, where you don't have a certain number one pick, like that's not going to happen. Like, I, I think if you're going to trade down with OKC, like you're literally only going to be able to get that 12th pick. 
Do you disagree or? I think you're about right. I, I, but in terms of threading that one to three needle, um, I think that you're probably looking to something akin to or a little less than uh, Fultz and Tatum type deal, right? Yeah, I, yeah, because well, Houston they just made a trade with Dallas, See, so they have Houston's. Yeah, Houston's already made draft implication trade. Yeah, and I don't know if they're. I mean, it seems like I mean because they're they've got three seventeen and twenty six now, and then, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, it seems I would think that they would try to either trade up seventeen and twenty six to move back into the lottery or take those three picks and move up to either one or two. Um, I, I mean, if I'm guaranteed one of Jabari or Paolo, I would be fine with three seventeen twenty six and like a future first swap or something like that's. That's where I'd be at. Like, I don't think three, 17 or 26 is enough for me in that situation because Houston jumping up a bit more than OKC. Um, well, just for roster construction, too, I think you're looking for future draft capital more than, uh, you know, more mid to late first round action this cause, year. Because what I would do is I would take 17, 26. I don't think you could take 32 and 35 along with it and trade up back into the lottery. I think that's too many pick or that's too many picks in the same draft. I think I agree with you, but um, I think you could take 17 and 26 and move back into like 12 or something. Um, I think you could do that, but uh, you know, do you, do you, and we're probably going to get here because who knows what the magic do with 32, 35, but, but do you envision or do you hope that we re-enter um, to get a second guy in the first round. Only if it's in the top 15. I like, I, I don't like, I, I think there's enough guys in that seven to 14, seven to 15 range that seem to be worth it. Be it like a, you know, maybe Benedict Matherin, the Sochian guy, uh, Nikola Jovic. Like there's, there's a lot of good guys in there. Like we get magic. I want the magic to either draft uh, a center or pick up a center from, from Europe. Cause I don't, you know, even if we bring back Rolo and sign Rolo, like there's still room for uh, a center actually. Cause, uh, cause then you're relying on like Mo, Mo Wagner being the backup center, which you'd be all, I mean, I I'd be okay with, but a lot of people aren't comfortable with, but um, yeah, that's, you know, what about you? Like, would would you be fine with a late first, like late first round pick? Because I'm not, I'm not packaging thirty two and thirty five and or yeah, you know, thirty two and thirty five, and like another asset, be it, you know, Terrence Ross's expiring contract or something. Like, I'm not doing that unless I can get into the top fifteen again. Yeah, I agree, and I, 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 <laughs> we assume based on the track record that it will not happen, but. Um, 32 and 35 are kind of goldmine area. And oh, it yeah. Would be, it would be nice to um, take two swings and maybe somebody stays in Europe and somebody goes to the G League or um, we, you know, it would be nice to take advantage of having uh, a top five pick in the second round twice and, and actually putting the scouting department's uh, efforts to to our benefit as opposed to making a couple shekels. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I don't see a point in speculating on who to take 32 or 35. Cause no. last year I, I got it right. I got Jason Preston, right. And then the magic sold him to, to the Clippers and 
we needed another point guard last season because we had to sign Tim Frazier and we had all the COVID issues with the backcourt and stuff. And I mean, he could have helped us a lot, assuming he didn't miss his entire rookie season with that foot injury that required surgery, you know, that he had in the fall. So I know I think Jason Press is going to be really freaking good. And I'm pissed that we, we actually had him and then we just sold him for, you know, Coke can money or whatever. I don't know, but um you know, I don't see a point in speculating on that. So if you're going to do, you know, because it, it, th- this, historically speaking, Weltham do not value picks between 20 and 40. They just don't value, or they 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 would rather either you know kick the kick the can down the road or or use it to for something else for salary cap reasons, but. I'm with you like 32 and 35 are really gold mine picks. Cause you've got, you can really take swings on guys. Like you, know, you can take a stash guy. There's there. You know, you can take a guy and stash him. I think there's like a, a new uh, Italian uh, Danilo Gallinari out there. I think that, that people have been talking about, it's been rising up, but um, I mean, there's, there's international guys that you can pick that you can keep them overseas for a year or two, if you wanted to, or, you can take these guys into training camp and if they really bomb because they're second round picks, you don't have to keep them. Like, so, I mean, yeah. there's all that flexibility and I wish the magic would actually utilize their G league team as a prospect haven. Cause they tried to do that with Kareem Mane and it just, it did not, they, they didn't stick it out with him long enough. And maybe they, you know, maybe he didn't deserve it for, to stick it out long with the team, but we didn't really get to find out with that. So, you know, it's great that Lakeland won the G League championship a couple of seasons ago now, but, it, you know, that needs to be treated like the way the Raptors or the Heat use their G League team. And the Magic haven't quite gotten there yet. Like, Devin Kennedy is about as close as it's gotten right now. Um, but, I mean, with this draft, I mean, this this isn't a Shaq situation. We're going back to number one, you know. This isn't a Shaq situation. Wildham have to do their job and just show their worth for what, you know, for what they have to do here. You know, people were pissed when we traded Weber away on draft night in the penny trade. People were pissed when we drafted Dwight over Mecca Okafor. Dwight Howard was not a home run pick. It ended up working out like that. But, I mean, Okafor still won rookie of the year. But, you know, we all know who's had who was the way – better player and who had the better career but you know that was the one thing john weisbrod definitely got right was the dwight pick so um you know whatever Wiltham do it's it'll likely lead to some doubt or even booze at amway center you know at the draft party because there's no easy choices um you know well, I'll, probably, I'll probably I'll probably boo him if it's Chet Holmgren. <laughs> I'll probably boo if it's Chet Holmgren. But I uh, we probably should just boo either way just to be safe. But let's <laughs> let's be let's be real that the magic landing the number one pick has uh, has put that regime on the clock more more than before. Oh yeah, they are on the clock for sure. So this is they whatever the decision is, and we said this last year. Whatever the decision is, it's um, if you're identifying the guy at one, if you're identifying a guy trading down at three, at five, at whatever. The this is the you're not cashing the chips in now in terms of you know going all in and, and trying to make a contender, but you're cashing the chips in now in terms of uh you know choosing the horse that you're gonna tie your cart to. So uh they have to get it right. And if they don't, then you know, maybe what eight 18 months left until they would be gone. 
Yeah. And I mean, look, I, it, I'll tell you now, Paolo Bencaro is probably going to win rookie of the year, no matter what team he's on. I don't care. I just want our rook or our rookies to look good. That's it. If, if they look out of, you know, if they look nowhere near like a number one pick or a top five pick or whatever, like that, that clock is ticking quick. You're, you're right. So, all right, let's get to other news here. Uh, that's, that's enough draft stuff for right now. We'll, you know, hopefully things will go well next week. Uh, but speaking of rookies, let's talk uh, rook, all rookie team. Cause again, it's, it's been a while, but uh, one person did not vote for Franz Wagner first or second uh, all rookie team. And, you know, Franz Wagner did make all rookie team. He was the 10th magic player in history to make the, the first team all rookie team. Uh, you know, the one person who didn't vote him first or second team was Dave McMenamin who voted for Austin Reeves. Uh <laughs> on the second team as if he didn't need to be a more LA based or biased Homer, you know, he, he pulled that off. So, but there are also 15 people who did not vote Franz first team, all rookie, which is probably 15 too many as well anyway. Uh, but you know, the surprising thing was Jalen Suggs received six votes for the all rookie second team, uh, which are six too many in my mind. I thought he had a worse rookie season than Alfred Payton, but any thoughts on the all rookie stuff? Uh, I, I just echo your sentiments. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, voting tally wise, I think Franz finished either. I can't remember now if he finished fourth or fifth, but Jalen green made the first team when, which he shouldn't have, but I mean, I, yeah, he, anyway, so, um, let's go, let's talk some magic executive stuff. So Matt Lloyd, uh, became the senior vice president of basketball relations with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, you know, Lloyd was the first big hire by Tim Connolly, who just got poached from Denver, uh, to become the you know president of basketball operations in Minnesota. And Matt Lloyd was basically the last front office piece tied to the Rob Hennigan era. You know, Lloyd spent 10 seasons with the Magic, he was responsible for overseeing the Magic scouting department and assisting with roster management and development, and just an awesome overall nice guy. Everybody loves Matt Lloyd. Yeah. Um, most of the draft work has already been done for this draft, so there's not really much impact other than losing Marriott travel points, I guess. But, um, <laughs> You know, it's it's all basically done. Like any draft prep that's needed is being done by Wilt Ham anyway, who make the final decision. So there's really not much of an impact yet there. But I mean, thoughts on losing Matt Lloyd. Look, he doesn't make the final decisions for for draft picks. You know, there was that small period after Hennigan got fired where he was the interim GM and whatnot, but um, he didn't really officially draft the guy. He just did the scouting, gave the, in, the information to the GMs, you know, to the decision makers and you know, he was maybe third or fourth in command when it came to the draft room situation. So um, thought, thoughts on Matt Lloyd. I mean, yeah, well, I, it's a, a well-deserved promotion for him. You talk about the longevity yeah. here and, and time before that in Chicago and obviously speaks to how highly regarded he is uh, in terms of the networks and relationship building. I think it would be interesting to see how we move forward because uh, while he was not the final decision maker, I think that he uh, had a huge uh, hand in shaping the scouting efforts um, and, you know, obviously all of the coordination of the rest of the basketball operations staff under his purview. Um, but the Magic have a, an interesting front office set up just in terms of the amount of big names that are still here that, um, you know, that fall under Jeff and John, people that have run 
organizations before or have yeah. been, if not the lead decision maker, part of the, you know, uh, tribunals, I guess you could say. Um, so it's not like the, the, the cupboard is bare here with right. Matt Lloyd moving on. Um, I'm surprised, like just thinking off the top that the Pete, uh, D'Alessandro is still hanging around. I'm surprised. I'm actually a little worried uh, that, that he might get more and more responsibility just because of the Sacramento ties. But um, I, yeah. I would say that we I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at uh, like uh, Anthony Parker continue to ascend. That would be preferred. That'd be awesome. That, that'd be great. I, I would be a big fan of that. And it seems like he is ascending. So um that's another person that's benefited from Lakeland is the yeah. Lakeland GM uh, work that he's done. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's all, you know, good luck to Matt Lloyd. Uh, please don't beat us in an NBA finals. I, I that would that would hurt me if, uh, if the T wolves won a championship before the magic did, um, we both came into the NBA together. So that, yeah, there, there's some pride at stake with that. Uh, but yeah, Penny, did you listen to the uh, Reddit Grant Hill uh, Old Man in the Three podcast episode that dropped? And if you did, that's okay. Yeah, I did today, so it's good timing. Um, so uh, first off, JJ's podcast is amazing. I, you know, I, I hope you listen to it because he's always got good guests on and he's always got good viewpoints. And uh, I don't watch – I really – almost never watch ESPN, but I mean, on Twitter, looking at all those first take uh, clips where he's just throwing, throwing uh, Stephen A. Smith in the mud with just reasonable sound bites is just awesome. It's great. So I, I enjoy that, but uh, you know, he had Grant, uh, JJ had Grant Hill on and G Hill's promoting a book that kind of describes like his career, but mostly like dealing with injury. Uh, mostly the injuries obviously he had in Orlando, but um you know, G Hill's final year with the magic was also JJ Reddick's rookie season. So they had a, that there's some good storytelling involved with that, but, uh, and that was also the only time they were teammates together. I think they missed each other by one summer, uh, when it came to the Clippers, uh, when Grant, you know, when G Hill was departing the Clippers, I think Reddick was still part of the bucks. And then when he went over G, G Hill left, but, um, you know, they were talking magic stories and how one day JJ showed up late to practice. And uh, in this occasion, Grant and some of the teammates duct taped JJ to a rolling chair, rolled him to uh, to the court and wrapped him around the basketball stanchion. But before rolling him out to, to the court, while in the locker room, Hill admitted that Hiro Turgaloo said, let's pee on him. And uh, <laughs> thankfully, they did not. But uh, Penny, my question to you would be, uh, do you think that Hito has hazingly pissed on an uh, on a basketball player before or been peed on himself? That's a tremendous question. Uh, <laughs> you can they'll pass it. That's fine. You're you're dig- I, you have a lot of dignity here. I'm going to assume not. Maybe maybe Hito at the I time think, was just I think one in of Turkey, those guys that I, like I, I think in Turkey, it it's I think in Turkey some he he witnessed something in Turkey happen as a you don't think it was just a like a old school old school of a movie locker room situation where he just got carried away he's like hey let's pee on it could be intended to whip it out and pee on JJ Reddick (laughs) no I think I think the joke you think now he said let's pee on him did he mean I pee on him or hey one of you guys should pee on him Oh, uh, I think it might have been one of you guys should. I yeah. think I, I don't think I don't think it would have been Hito himself. So that's I, just that's just 
instigating with no uh, intent to follow through. Man. I mean, he knows it. You know, historically is an instigator in, in that yeah. locker room in the best way possible, I guess. Right. But um, Grant, thank, uh, Grant did, 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 didn't let it happen, whether that was actually going to happen <laughs> or not. Um, but there's some really cool tidbits in there. Um, like Grant Hill talking about how he still has his personalized jet ski with his name and number on it from this 2000 Orlando recruiting visit. It doesn't work, but the fact that he still has the jet ski is fascinating. I don't even know what you do with that thing or where you would store it, but um, also it might be a league violation. So I don't know what the statute of limitations is on that, but, um, and then just all the details about his leg and the surgeries, uh, ankle surgeries, just, there's some really good details in there. Um, I actually might be tempted to get his book now because of it. I I don't know, but um just talking about how one of the surgeries he'd done at Duke during the 03 season that led to the staph infection that almost killed him. And it's just, there's just details in there that we haven't really heard about that uh, he shared. So uh, any other tidbits or thoughts from the pod or that, or, or yeah, that pod episode? Well, I just, I, there's a lot, I don't know how much now because it's been 20 plus years, but there's so much magic fan animosity towards Grant Hill for essentially things that were out of his control. Uh, yeah. Um, so hopefully with time and perspective, people can, uh, you know, deduce that he was doing and did everything he could, including putting his life on the line to get back and, and get on the court and, you know, make good on the contract, which is peanuts now anyway. Um, but it was the, talking about their season overlapping with the Magic. That was an interesting locker room obviously brian hill is the head coach but there were some Mm. uh veteran players and some uh you know rookie or or you know second year guys that was an interesting mix if you go back and look at the roster construction there um and i was kind of interested to hear that basically um and you knew that reddick came in with a cocky air to him in part because he had to just based on all the shit that he got in college but yeah um, you know, that, that he was getting it from all angles internally that, you know, that would, people didn't warm up to him right away. Um, but obviously, you know, quite the turnaround later now. Yeah. He's, I think he counts a number of players from, you know, from the magic and from those initial years as, uh, as close and good friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very good listen. And again, just listen to the old man in the three. It's JJ's got a good podcast going on. Uh, okay, a few more things before we get out of here. Uh, you and I both saw Adam Sandler's Hustle film. That's on Netflix right now, correct? <laughs> we did. So he's got the basketball. Do we do we consider Uncut Gems a basketball movie? I don't, but I do not. I guess. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, is it a gambling or a diamond movie? Like, what do we what do we go with that? No. It, uh, well, that's that's a major motion picture, but it kind of has an indie. Oh, it's definitely an indie thing. It, it is. It, 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 Art it, house almost. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Adam Sandler should just keep doing basketball films till he runs out of good ideas. Because I mean, are you putting? Ugh, hate to do it. Are you putting Hustle top ten in terms of Adam Sandler filmography? Oh man, it, I mean, it's a, deep top, it's a deep top 10. Uh, yeah. if I, I mean, we, we, we could do this on another pod maybe if yeah. you really want yeah. to, but 
Uh, Here, I, mean, I, I would just say like, hap, like happy, happy Gilmore, uh, Billy Madison, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, uncut gems, top five. It's above. Yeah. Uncut gems is obviously above this. Uh, Unstrung love. Uh, I wouldn't, Rain, yeah. I, I wouldn't do it. Wedding singers, definitely top five for me. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. That's fair. You're, you're, you're adding more titles to, uh, to the collection that would bump this down, but maybe top 15. I don't think that's, no, crazy. I, I think it could be, Oh, water boys top five for me too. Damn it. Um, I think this is like probably ninth or 10th. If we really laid it out, I, I could see this. I could see hustle being nine or 10. I, I, I really could. Um, I thought it was a good film. I was, first of all, uh, the acting from the athletes, I thought was pretty good all the way around. And anytime yeah. that Sandler is doing something that's not strictly comedy, I feel like he always shines. I am with you on that. Um, Did you believe that Queen Latifah was his wife? I, I didn't feel the chemistry necessarily. Oh, see, I think they had good chemistry. I, I think they had good chemistry. I just think Queen Latifah just has such a such a presence on on film that it take it took a little bit to, for me to just accept that she had such a small role. That that was my thing. But I, I thought, thought they, they actually had, had a good friendly chemistry. vibe. I thought friendly vibe, but I didn't necessarily get husband and wife. But it was nice. I mean, to were you looking for like were were you looking for like graphic scenes or what was? No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, no, they they had good chemistry. It was. I mean, you're. I mean, yeah. It's. I don't. I don't think they were gonna like make out like crazy during the during the film like that. You know, it, it didn't have that vibe. But I thought they played off each other really well, and even the daughter was good. Like. They're yeah. cracking jokes about each other. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty good actually. The it it's tough to pull off a good family vibe in a film, and they actually did pretty good. So now to me, I'm just gonna say obviously there there are some plot holes in uh, the progression of the story, but overall for what it is, I thought like seven out of ten and uh, uh, no real qualms. Yeah, it it's it's definitely I think it's it's at like a 7.3 or 7.4 in IMDb, which is really good. Anything above a seven is really good. I probably put it at an eight just because it, 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 it exceeded my expectations. But um, yeah, it was I enjoyed it. So Maurice Wagner, Mo Wagner, current magic player was in the film. Uh, former magic man, Doc Rivers, Dr. J, Julie Serving, Shaq, Tobias Harris, Aaron Gordon and Kenny Smith were in it. Um, Question about Mo Wagner. How, uh, how do we think he did in the film? I wish he had more time in it. I didn't realize he was just going to be in the beginning. Well, it's, it's always interesting when a player or a player's agent signs them up for something that may be less than flattering, like the Carl Anthony Towns State Farm commercial where he's getting his ass handed to him by a 2K gamer. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to play Haas, and also I'm going to get shit on and uh, be a wasted, you know, bust draft pick. I need but to know he, how I thought he, he was good. How do you, I don't know how he got in the film. Like, were they really seeking just like a German player or something? Or then they just, he was like, Hey, I, you know, you guys don't know my brother yet. So I'll take it. Or like, right. Dirk, you know, Dirk's in it too. So I don't know, maybe, yeah. but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was enjoyable. There, there's some good acting in there. Um, yeah. I, I can't complain. I, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be one of those movies where you're going to watch it a whole bunch. Like I think one or two viewings is enough, but I, I enjoyed it. All right. Last topic. And it's not basketball related, but it is Orlando related. So literally just a few hours ago, we found out that Orlando is not hosting uh, or not one of the host cities for the 2026 FIFA World Cup. 
so the bid failed, you know, cities like uh, Miami and Atlanta got in Kansas city got in, which I thought was an upset and that's them getting their revenge for the magic, not moving to Kansas city uh, in the mid two thousands. But um, you know, our, our bid, I think failed because of the citrus bowl. That's or camping world stadium. However you want to call it. It just, it can't compete with, and most of these were all basically NFL stadiums. Like if you exclude the Canada, the Canada and Mexico bid stuff, like all of the stadiums that got in were NFL stadiums. And, you know, I, I, I love the citrus bowl, but it's, it's just not going to compete to what FIFA standards are when it comes to suites and amenities. And, you know, the city's poor planning kind of caught up to it. Finally, you know, when we spent those hundreds of millions of dollars renovating the citrus bowl, about a decade ago or less than that, you know, we, we didn't put a roof on it. And I think that made a big difference. Cause I mean, like hard rock in Miami is not a good stadium, but they, right. they, they just updated it and put a little bit of, you know, put some roofing over it. And that made a difference. Um, and obviously around the citrus bowl, if, if you've ever been, there's not really any new infrastructure or alternative transportation built around the stadium. It's a nightmare to get in and out of. And, you know, it's, it sucks. Cause I went to two world cup matches at, at that citrus bowl in 1994. It was, I was six years old. It was amazing. I had a blast. I, you know, I felt, you know, I was in love with the game. Uh, and, um, it's just a shame that we, we couldn't, we couldn't pull it off again. We were host games. Uh, you know, I wish Orlando city stadium was big enough to, to do it, to, to be put into the bid, you know, uh, Explorer stadium holds 25,000 people uh, as the capacity. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing for when the U S national team plays here. I mean, they, they love it. The U S men's national team, you know, dominates here in Orlando. And, um, you know, it's just a shame. It doesn't really meet FIFA's capacity standards. Cause if that would have if we would have been able to throw that in, like, I think we would have won the bid, but I don't know any thoughts on that. I just kind of wanted to throw that in because we're, we're Orlando boys. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, I mean, you, I think you cover all of the bases there. I'm just disappointed that we won't get a, a soccer bowl, a soccer bowl, citrus, geez, uh, city hall. Dome yeah. Again. Yeah. Yeah, you can Google, you can find photos on Google of, uh, of City Hall with the, with, with the World Cup ball, uh, you know, as the, on top of the roof or as the roof covering. It's really cool, actually. But um, yeah, that's it. Any, any final thoughts, Penny? You know, we're, we're hoping for, I guess, Jabari or Paolo. That's what we're th- hoping for this draft. Final, final thought for me is just please, God, get it right. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what matters. I mean, we, we thought they got it wrong with Franz and... He's proven us wrong, thankfully, so far. Um, we might be proven right, right though, on Suggs. Uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll see on that. But, uh, yeah, we, uh, we appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode. And I am at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, take care. Let's go magic.